1: From Blue Wire Studios today, so you're ready for the August premiere. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the nice Trade Cast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at Deal Dash Bed Online and Blue Wire. We are into August, the eighth month of the year, uh, traditionally known as the first, uh, the month before football begins in September. That is to be decided whether that is still the case. But um, tonight, I am missing my partner in crime, uh, my lover on the internet. Dan Senyo, he is uh, off doing anniversary slash kid things. And this evening, I am joined by the lovely Bruce Matson. How's it
2: going, Bruce? It's going pretty good. pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Rest in peace, Dan. I got some big shoes <laughs> to fill, but I, I'm, I'm here to come strong. I'm going to go strong in the paint, bring in some hot takes, and turn the house down.
1: There we go. It's the only way we know how. This month, we're going to be breaking down the NFL division by division, uh, going over you know, the values of each player. Uh, or not the values of each player. More so, the storylines that are going on in, in August of each division. And so tonight, we're going to talk about the AFC West and NFC West. And an AFC West team is the focus of our FFPC stat attack for tonight. Our FFPC stat attack is that 212 carries via Damian Williams opt-out and LaShawn McCoy, free agency to the Buccaneers, are no longer in the Chiefs' backfield. That leaves a a wide-open opportunity for that first-round draft pick, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the the man they drafted with the last pick in the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft. So he was the focus of Twitter, the focus of Roto World, the focus of every single fantasy football platform you could think of. Edwards-Hilaire was the focus of it, and they are now the focus of the FFP stat attack. They have the opportunity due to those guys leaving in free agency and the opt-out. So FFPC, Stat Attack, um, they are your number one fantasy uh, platform, Redraft, Dynasty, Best Ball, everything you can ask for. The FFPC has it. They have high stakes. They have mid stakes. They have low stakes. Everything you want, you got to get it through the FFPC. Make sure you're playing your fantasy leagues on the FFPC this year. Make sure you get involved with all their uh, you know high stakes tournaments and all, all those things. And they are always a great supporter of Rotovis. So make sure to support the FFPC, FPC.com, and that's your number one source for Redraft, Dynasty, Best Ball, and High Stakes Fantasy Ball. All right, let's get into the show. With we're going to be talking about first, our focus was the opt out of Damian Williams and how that impacts the Chiefs' backfield. Obviously, there's plenty of opportunity in that Chiefs' backfield now. And Edwards Zilair, his stock rose in both Redraft and Dynasty, and you know, going pretty much in the mid first round of both. Do you think that that's an overreaction on the on the case of drafters, or are they saying? All right, the time is now to tra- draft
2: Clyde, Clyde edwards alaire It's a little bit of both. Right now, we're kind of buying him at a ceiling. Uh, the one it's kind of hard for you to get much higher than that unless they go absolutely bonkers. However, I, I wasn't really too high of him. I was high of him. I, I had him at the 1 or 2 before Jonathan Taylor before all this happened. And and now I, I kind of feel like I got to bump him up just cuz his trade value is so high. But It it is a little bit of an overcorrection because it's going to be hard for him to reach that value unless he absolutely does go off. But it's really possible with Mahomes boosting the offense. There, he's in one of the best offenses in about the history of history of football, and it's just a great fit. And he catches backfield. They're going to check it down to him a lot. Damian Williams is giving up some. since he's opting out Sean McCoy's gone so there's just a lot of workload to be had a lot of opportunity for him to have in in a great offense and it's hard to ignore that he's young so stability long term or at least short term is there and even if you're not really into him he's still an interesting asset because you can always flip him for a ton on the trade market you can almost name your price
1: yeah, for me, I, I've pretty much been vocal throughout this process that I'm not a huge believer in Clyde Edwards Alaire as a talent. Uh, he was a mediocre back in, in his first two college seasons 658 uh, rushing yards, seven touchdowns, in his second season at 4.5 yards per carry. And then Joe Burrow turns the LSU offense into one of the best offenses in college football history. And Edwards Alaire benefits from that, you know, having that 14, 14, and 16 touchdown, you know, season. And so. You know, my question is how much of that season, and we all know that running backs are more so a product of the system than quarterbacks are because quarterbacks make the system. And so the question is how much did Edwards Lair benefit from it? And then the next question is, does it really matter because he's going from the best quarterback season in college football history to one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen at the NFL level. So Yes, he benefited from being a great offense in college in his last season, but also he's going to benefit from being that great offense with very little competition in year one in that Chiefs offense.
2: Yeah, um, that, that offense is a mega booster to his production, especially as early as the rookie season. And if he hits, if he does what we're supposed to, you're talking about a guy who's going to be up there with Barkley Christian McCaffrey, when it comes to to value, I, I'm not. I'm kind of scared away selecting him at the 105 inch price point in startup drafts, and I had him at the 102 in rookie drafts beforehand. But now I feel like I gotta pull the trigger at the 101, just because it's at least his trade value right right now is so high, and I could use him to trade up to get Barkley, use him to and get Chris. McCaffrey or something, or trade down, get multiple pieces, or enjoy the ride, see what happens. I I mean, Mahomes is a good guy to put some chips on, and Clyde edwards lair. he had a good last season. He does some good things. Uh, He mixes well with the Chiefs offense, catches the field, good runner, 471 missed tackles last year, had 3.65 yards after contact per per attempt, so there is some good things to his game. I like John as a prospect, but it's really hard to ignore, ignore the, the trade value with this guy.
1: Yeah, for sure. And the, the thing is that there, there isn't really a way that I see his trade value going down. Like, I mean, the only way it does is if he just doesn't perform at all. And I think that the odds that he doesn't perform at all is very slim, um, but he's got all this opportunity and he's going to get you know plenty of volume and volume plus opportunity equals fantasy points. It, you know, especially when you mm-hmm. en- enter the fact that he is a first round draft pick. So, I mean, I think it'd be, it would be a different story if Clyde edwards is was like a late third round pick, and he he's still projected to get the similar amount of volume. But you know, the, the late third round pick are going to are going to bust a lot more frequently than those first round running backs.
2: Okay, so if Clyde the doesn't really produce in his rookie season, or even early um, next season you could still get out of this asset, trade him off, and still get a decent return for it because he's got a lot of backers on social media. Uh, You're going to find a guy in almost any league who's going to be willing to pay that Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes' premium for him. And running backs, everybody wants running backs, and especially in PPR leagues, he's going to have that allure. The thing about him is you're going to have to act quickly with him with what you're going to want to do if that does happen. But with that situation and scenario that, that kind of adds a little bit of security just in case the worst does happen. And that, that helps with this floor, but it really depends on the owner and if you're able to put together trades as well too. So you may want to think about that if you're not that great of a trader.
1: Yeah, no, I I do think you have to know your league. um, and, even like, and obviously this sounds foolish now, but I I drafted Clyde Edwards at 102 to trade him. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I at, the to- at the time, I had Swift ranked above him, but I was like, okay, I'm going to try and get Swift plus. I'm going to try and get, you know, Acres plus, plus. And it wasn't happening. Uh, it didn't happen during the draft, and I tried to do it after the draft. It still didn't work. I ended up basically trading CEH for Amari, which I think is, you know, probably not, as far as a market deal, it's a loss right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm a believer in Amari being, you know, a wide receiver one for the, over the next couple of years. Anyways, as far as your overall point, drafting to trade is not usually the best strategy. But in terms of Edwards Hilaire, it's not. I don't really see his value dipping anytime soon. Next, we'll go on to another AFC West team. We have the Oak. Or not, oh, I, I feel like you need to, you know, take a drink <laughs> every time someone says Oakland Raiders. You take a drink. All right, Uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Here we go. Las Vegas Raiders are our next topic and it's going to be their, their dynasty topic of of the month of August is the rookies. And we were recording this on Monday. And I feel like today was Lynn Bowden day on Twitter that everyone started getting excited about his prospects as a rookie or even, you know, as a dynasty prospect as well. Oakland, or I said it again, the Raiders. Um, I, and, and, he, and he started just switching it, like Washington. Like instead of saying the R word, you say Washington. Now instead of the instead of Oakland, you say the Raiders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the Raiders have even said this uh, today that they are going to consider putting him at quarterback. I would imagine that's more of your traditional wildcat quarterback, and not. You know, dropping back to pass uh, Lynn Bowden. But the fact that they're saying we're going to, you know, put him as many opportunities to, to score as possible is a good thing. I've advocated for Lynn Bowden as a perfect best ball option in both redraft and dynasty, more so dynasty. But Lynn Bowden's going to find a way to score points. He's a third round NFL draft pick. The, Ra- uh, the Raiders didn't draft him that high for nothing. And they're showing early on that they have an interest in, in giving him, you know, those touches.
2: Yeah, he's a, a dynamic playmaker. Hey, he was a receiver during parts of his tenure at Kentucky. And he is a phenomenal runner as well. Averaged 4.23 yards after contact per attempt last year. And he he's he's got a lot of burst and speed and adds a different dynamic. He may be even a threat to Josh Jacobs a little bit, maybe like taking some of those PPR touches, his receptions out of the backfield. And I, I like him. He may have some big weeks this year. Uh, it's going to flash some of that talent. And I think this is a good spot for him with the Raiders, especially with Derek Carr wanting to have that low A dot, checking it down a lot, and Lynn Bowden be able to make plays after the catch. So it's actually a good mesh for him with the Raiders.
1: Yeah, and then the other part is that there is a lack of proven or even real just like talent at the you know as far as their weapons. Yes, they first round pick on Josh Jacobs, now first round pick on Rugs and third round pick on Edwards. So they they have accumulated a lot of young talent, but none mm-hmm. of it's proven yet. And they're just going to ha- I mean, Jason Wenton's not going to be getting 60, 70 targets. So the the targets have to go somewhere, the carries have to go somewhere. And so I I, I like Bowden as a nice best ball option. I don't really see him as a guy you're going to be putting in your lineups in 2020, maybe later on, but I feel like even then it's going to probably take a Josh Jacobs injury for him to become any sort of a a reliable starter week to week. So let's go to the next, uh, the other two wide receivers here, Ruggs and Edwards. I know that some people are going to go with the hot takes that Edwards is better or the more traditional wide receiver than, than, than Ruggs. Uh, I am a draft capital guy through and through that. So I'm going to say Rugs is better than Brian Edwards and I'm going to take him easily in dynasty. And I honestly think that I think both are good values right now, but I think Ruggs is the better value because Ruggs is being drafted below, you know, guys that went below him, which is all of the wide receivers. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, more specifically, you have Judy, Lamb, Jefferson, and R- Rager. All those guys are going above Ruggs in, in most rookie drafts or in most startups, you know, including the rookies. Um, So what are your thoughts on on Ruggs, Edwards? Is there one that you prefer? I mean, I guess, which one do you prefer straight up and which one do you prefer at value?
2: I think I have an impression with Brian Edwards. So uh, I like him a lot due to his size, the prototypical X receiver. He's aggressive at the catch point and then finishes a 30% market share of the offensive production. But I also like Henry Ruggs, especially the Raiders. Like like I talked about earlier with, Derek Carr, uh, with the low eight, throwing a lot of short passes that, that could play in the hands of rugs and his ability to create yards after the catch and his speed being able to stretch the field, he, he's dynamic and he, he was also very efficient last year at 154.4 passer rating last year, 419 yards after the catch. So, I like them both, I, it's not too far off. It's just really just who gels for offense, who Carr likes best. And then if Carr's not getting it get it done. What's Mariota going to do? Who's he going to lean to? I, I think there's a lot of talent here, a lot of young talent. And I think there's a lot of cream here. The, the best cream will rise to the top. And I, I like them all really.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I love all these guys. I, I would, in terms of like a value perspective, I, I think Bowden is the best value right now. Rugs would be a second and then Edwards third, but all of them are, are buys for me right now in dynasty. Um, let's move on to the chargers and we'll talk about the quarterback battle. Not sure how much of a quarterback battle you can really have during COVID, but chargers are going to have it. Um, They are kind of, you know, through their social media and things like that, they're kind of saying Tyrod Taylor is or Tyrod Taylor is the starter in, in Las Vegas or no in Los Angeles. I can't, I can't talk. It's 1040. It's past my bedtime. But with the chargers, they're saying Taylor is the starter. Uh, how long do you see him being the starter? Is it all year? Is it the first few weeks? When do you see Herbert stepping in?
2: Taylor's going to be the starter and still fall off, I believe. So it, as long as he's winning games and being able to move the football down, he's he's going to be the starter. That could be two with three, week six. We don't really know. I, li- I like Taylor. I think he's a very serviceable quarterback. We just don't know. I can see Herbert getting in there somewhere mid-season. It could be sooner than that. could be later than that. It, it's hard to tell, too, with, with with what we're dealing with this day and age with COVID and stuff. He could end up – Tyrod Taylor could miss a, a couple weeks due to quarantine, and then they just give Herbert the opportunity, the keys of the car, and they just let him ride it out through the end of the season. But I, I see Herbert getting it somewhere mid to late year stretch possibly but it's hard to tell depends on how well Tyrod plays
1: yeah and it's weird because I don't think the Chargers are a good team but -hmm. they have some good fantasy weapons and so I I don't think that Tyrod's play is going to get him benched because I think that he's going to be good enough with those weapons I think Mm -hmm. that it'll be the play of the offensive line or the play of the defense. If they if the record is showing that they need to move on to the future, they'll move on to the future. I don't really think it indicates Tyrod's play because I think that he's going to be good enough with those weapons of Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry and then uh, Eckler as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Totally agree. I was like Keenan Allen, Mike Mike Williams, Hunter Henry. It's just going to boost the offense here, help Tyrod keep things going, and yeah, if when they need to make a change, they're going to make it happen. And it also depends on where Herbert's ready at too. They may want to just, even if the offensive line's not doing great, team's not doing great, they may just want to ride it out with Tyrod a little longer than what a normal team would do. Just, just depending on Herbert's development.
1: Yeah. And I honestly, I have for for pretty much forever said that I don't, I don't agree. I don't um, think that developmental quarterback, you know, sitting them down makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I, If I if I drafted a quarterback in the first round, there would be a 0% chance that they would ever be sitting. But I also wouldn't be the Packers and draft a quarterback in the first round when I have <laughs> a quarterback on a, multi, on a multi-year deal. Um, but, you know, for the the top guys, like Tua, if he's helped, and health is the other part of it. But assuming health, if I'm taking a first-round quarterback, I want them starting week one. I want them to make the mistakes. I want them to be thrown to the fire. And not that that really indicates their dynasty value, but I will say that I'm not, even in Superflex where I'm looking for a quarterback, I'm not looking to patch that Band-Aid with, with Taylor because I'm just not sure how long that Band-Aid is going to last.
2: Same here. I, I have a similar philosophy. I kind of want to get that quarterback in there. If I was running an actual NFL team, just – just because I paid that equity to begin with. And same here, Tyrod Taylor. I don't know if that's going to be three weeks, six weeks, nine weeks. I don't want to pay for that and just not have them for very long as a, as a patch up in a super flex league. I'd rather just write it out and see what happens.
1: And I, I do think from a nice perspective that there is a, a very small buy window on Herbert that it, it seems silly, but, I think that when you see him sitting on the bench and not starting, his value dips a little bit because he's not playing right now. And
3: mm-hmm.
1: I, most people who drafted Justin Herbert in that 108 to 112 slot in Superflex Leagues, they didn't—they knew he wasn't guaranteed a week one start. But I think that you could catch somebody sleeping and maybe value him a little bit lower than they should have. So uh, I think that uh, there could be a buy opportunity for Herbert, especially if Tyrod Taylor plays well the first few weeks.
2: I think so too. It's just easier to catch people napping in season, especially when they're not getting that, that production and they need to fill the void somehow, some way. And they're really willing to dish out some of them rookies. just just a patch a hole here and there. And Herbert too, he wasn't really the most touted quarterback prospect coming out for the draft. And he, he also had some of his like kind of like haters coming out. So there's some people more lukewarm on him, so you may be able to catch him at an even stiff, even better discount with him not seeing snaps.
1: All right, let, let's go to the Denver Broncos. One of the talks of the NFL draft was how much they've invested at the wide receiver and tight end positions. Jerry Judy in the first, KJ Hamler in the second, and Albert O.K. in the fourth. Not that that really matters, but the, the, first, the first two were the ones that mattered. So these Broncos wide receivers and tight ends, I think that's the fantasy story uh, for them. I mean, you could say that Drew Locke, will he break out with the, with this group of wide receivers can, can be part of the story. But I think if Drew Locke breaks out, it's going to be because of these young wide receivers. So what, what are your thoughts on on Hamler and Judy? Do you think that they are, you know, way to year type guys think it's still the Sutton show or do you think it's all three of them?
2: This is very interesting because you can tell the Broncos are building this offense to be to have more firepower to, to at least try and hang in there with the Chiefs, just trying to build it in that mold. You got Jerry Judy, who's a phenomenal route runner, 3.3 yards per route run last year, 129.5 rating when targeted. And he's pro ready. He he can he's already a phenomenal route runner. I I mean, if Locke connects with him, he could be productive early. KJ Hamler is an interesting player here because he's so fast and explosive after the catch that if he gets the ball in space, he can make things happen. Um, good A dot last year, 14.41, and he can he'd stretch the field and play in the slot a little bit. I can see all three of these players just meshing well together especially once they get get a little bit of chemistry i think it's still going to be the Cortland sutton show at least for this year because i think he's really good the way he attacks the ball while it's in the air gets downfield makes plays i think he's developing at a really rapid rate and just with jerry judy on the other side of him being pro ready runs pristine routes good hands pretty much everything you want in a top tier rookie, this offense is just primed to take a step forward, especially in the next couple of years.
1: Yeah. The only question is, is Drew Lock good enough to take that step forward with them? <laughs> um, and uh, I think that's very much still up in the air. Uh, I I was slightly rooting for a Cam Newton signing there, uh, but mm-hmm. everyone knows Cam Newton landed in the perfect spot in New England. But as, as far as these guys, I – Similar to the Raiders, I, I like the values of all these guys. I think mm-hmm. if there's one that's overvalued, it's Sutton because he's being valued as a clear wide receiver one. And I think that Judy might turn him into not being a clear wide receiver one and him being uh you know a, a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two, and then him and Judy kind of splitting that long-term. I'm not saying Judy's going to outscore Sutton this year, but I think that Judy could easily outscore Sutton in
2: 2021. Yeah, and then I want to throw in there, Noah Fant is – Mm-hmm. highly athletic prospect who could potentially blossom. And if he takes on pushing a 20% target share, then it's going to be even harder for Sutton to maintain that workload because obviously Jerry Judy's going to get his KJ Hamler, will get a little sprinkle. And who knows what Albert o would do, Albert OK. But if Noah Fant blossoms, takes a step forward, and this it'll be it could be a mess. It could be a little bit of a mess, but it could be a glorious mess too. That where you just got to hit, hit your spots from a week-to-week basis. The Broncos receiving core could be a mess, but you know who's not a
1: mess? Our friends over at Bet Online. Sports are back. And so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball has kicked off, so there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. But the Return to Sports Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time champ. Robert Ori, see see what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series called pandemic. Visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BlueWire, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code Bluewire. Betonline, your online wagering experts. And Deal Dash. Have you ever heard of Dealdash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect. At a price you'd never believe, they have over 1,000 options every day on on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. I need a car, so Deal Dash uh, send send over a car my way, and I'd appreciate that. Just a little sprinkle for for doing your ad. Here's how it works: it's it's like an auction, but but every item starts at zero dollars. It only goes up one only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that. Auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer, or the item is yours. Go ahead and buy now. Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to dealdash.com and use promo code ROTOVIZ. R O T O V I Z. Deal Dash.FM slash R O T O V I Z. Deal Dash.FM slash roto this all right we are done with the afc west so now let's move to the nfc west and the storylines that they have brought us we have starting off we have the seattle seahawks wide receivers uh tyler lockett dk metcalf two of the best wide receivers in the nfl today and there have been rumblings and grumblings over the last month or so we even spent a abnormal amount of time on this podcast talking about uh Antonio Brown signing with the Seahawks when it seemed like that was going to happen around a month ago. So it seems like the, the Seahawks are in the business of adding a wide receiver here and one of the veterans that have off the, off-field the problems. What are your thoughts on Seahawks adding one of these guys? Do you think it's going to happen? Uh, do you think they need to do this?
2: I think they're at least kicking the tires here. They they have some injuries at running back going into the season and if fragility hits at the wide receiver spot then that could really put them down a bad rabbit hole. So, just adding one of these talents would help them out immensely. Plus, you can't really say no when you have Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown as options. You definitely have to look into it. I, I don't think this is a knock against Locker DK Metcalf. I, I just want to point that out because I see a fantasy counselor um, pointing that out on, on, on it. Instagram and stuff so I I think those guys are fine but like if injuries hit you, you just can't say no to either one of these guys and they're so good Josh Gordon just being on the other side of Metcalf with Lockett running the slot that that's just a dream if and if the running backs are injured going into the start of the year then that means Russell Wilson's going to need to throw the ball more which is what we've been dreaming of these last few years so if we get that then we're going to want him to have that those extra targets, the throats. And we don't want them having to lean on Carlos Hyde to, to get it done. So I kinda, I'm kind of i kind of very interested to see how this plays out. And I can't, I can't blame them for doing this. At least kick the tire, see what they get, see what happens.
1: Yeah, as someone who has quite a few, both Lockett and Metcalf shares, I am hoping this does not happen. <laughs> <laughs> um because I think that Lockett and Metcalf are in the, a very prime situation, like you said, the Seahawks are not have to pass the ball, and if they just have to pass the ball and they just have those two, both those two have wide receiver one capabilities, and so I think it's definitely a positive. And I think that if they add, I mean, Josh Gordon is a little less of a concern. If they add Antonio Brown, I, I think that you go from having two like low-end wide receiver ones high-end wide receiver twos to having like three wide receiver twos or three low-end wide receiver twos high-end wide receiver threes and so i don't really want to cloudy that up from a fantasy perspective but if it does and i've said this before on this podcast i'm not 100 convinced that ab comes in and b and is the wide receiver one in seattle i I think that you know he, he still has to acclimate to russell wilson has to acclimate to a playbook and so i wouldn't Hundred percent, be buying in on terms on him being like a short-term wide receiver one. But I I would say that his presence would be a huge bummer for Lockett and Metcalf.
2: That's true, because if if I was a quarterback and had Antonio Brown there, I'm definitely going to be looking his way. The thing with DK Metcalf and Lockett. They, they've, they've already started to prove themselves. I mean, definitely lock it there. He's had some rapport with Wilson and DK Metcalf had a really good rookie season last season and they're going to get theirs. It's just going to damper it for fancy purposes. Cause maybe not off the bat because Brown has to acclimate to the team, but he's a good player. Good players get targets and that's just less targets for them. It, it, they may still be viable fantasy purpose wise, but it's not going to hit their true ceiling and, as if he wasn't on the team. So I do have shares of of both those players. I've been buying this offense, too, especially the passing offense, hoping for more volume and stuff. And I like I like Metcalf a lot. So, yeah, from fancy perception, I don't I don't want it to happen either.
1: All right, let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they signed Jordan Reed, uh, who has worked with Kyle Shanahan before. Obviously, the big question throughout Jordan Reed's career has been, can he stay healthy? Will he stay healthy? And for the most part, the answer has been no. Uh, but he joins this 49ers offense where he's not really a needed option. He's more of a luxury. Uh, they have George Kittle at, at, at tight end one. They have a decent group of wide receivers, especially once DB Samuel uh, gets healthy. So – uh, what, what are your thoughts on Jordan Reed entering this offense? Do you think he's just, you know, a shot in the dark, or do you think he could be an integral part of the offense?
2: I think he's a shot in the dark. He's a, a cheap flyer you can take on Dynasty because his value can't be super high anymore. But the passing volume isn't tremendously high. Kittles, for a tight end, gets a large portion of the targets. They has been a first-round pick on Brandon Ayuk, so he's going to get some run. Jalen Hurd. Debo's eventually going to be back, and they like to use the run game a lot. The defense holds it down. The offense doesn't have to run a lot of plays to begin with. Uh, He would need probably something to happen to Kittle for him to see an upswing, but he's probably really cheap in Dynasty on the market and probably get him for throw in next to nothing. So that perspective is fine with me. It's just I'm not very – optimistic unless something changes in the situation that allows them to see more volume.
1: Yeah. I, I I don't, I'm not, I'm not sending offers for Jordan Reed right now. I, I, I am perfectly fine. I have talked about this before many times on this podcast that sometimes you have to be okay with paying the more expensive price later, just to get that more information that Mm -hmm. if I get more information that Jordan Reed is healthy and he's a contributing part of this offense in week four, I'll pay a second for him. But guess what? He's never going to cost more than a second. There's nothing Jordan Reed could ever do the rest of his career to cost more than a second. Mm -hmm. And so I will take the very minuscule risk that if I want to acquire him later, I'll just acquire him for a second, which is the absolute max he could cost.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, On the contrary to that, unless I have like a team down the stretch and I know I'm going to go deep into the playoffs or feel that way, I'm probably not going to pay much no matter what because eventually kittle's coming back um for long term i kind of want that second round pick for next year i like next year's rookie class at least from the wide receiver perspective um tight ends pretty deep quarterbacks a little deeper so i like next year's rookie class so i i either get them for free or i don't get them at all so i'm not really shopping for them but i i want them cheap super cheap where like it should be cheaper than what it should be cheap cheap cheap
1: <laughs> that's that's very cheap All right, let's go on to uh, an offense that won't be cheap. That's the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, They acquired DeAndre Hopkins, and they have a lot of weapons in that offense now. DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, you name it. The Cardinals have it at this this stage. Um, Also, Kenyon Drake in the backfield. So, um, I guess my question here the the story here is Kyler Murray. Is he this year's Baker Mayfield? We're we're touting him all offseason and he busts. And so, basically, I guess my question here is how does Kyler Murray bust this year?
2: How does he bust? I'm not really forecasting him the bust, but how he would bust would be if he just doesn't really take a step forward, doesn't have a connection with DeAndre Hopkins for some reason, and injuries happen across the offensive line, and – a lot of other things outside of his forces prevents him from hitting his. Um, I, I can
1: I can see the, like the mental anguish in your body as you're saying these words. So I'm gonna flip this around. Tell me why. <laughs> tell me why Kyler Murray's gonna break out and be a superstar.
2: Okay, so Cliff Kingsbury's offense is very, very fast paced. They're fourth in the league and plays ran per second in a neutral game script. And he's been laying down the pieces to get the optimal players he wants for his offense. Before DeAndre Hopkins, he was looking for C.D. Lamb in the draft or hoping or there was talks about it or at least rumors or whatever, which is a similar archetype of player. DeAndre Hopkins, as we all know, fell into his lap. Did the the Texans doing irrational trades. And he was able to get – Kenyon Drake receiving back that, that fits well in his mold. And he wanted Murray from the get-go. And Murray fits well with this offense where he, where he gets the ball out quick. He's got Christian Kirk in the slot. Larry Fitzgerald still there. Vets a lot in this offense. You got Andy Isabella, who's got a 4-3-1, 40 yard dash speed, who, who is another piece in offense. And he didn't have Hopkins last year. He played decent for a rookie, a fancy perspective. He gives you that rushing floor Hopkins. It's it's going to be hard for him not to take a step forward without one of the best wide receivers in the league playing with them. And he didn't have Christian Kirk for a good portion of the season last year either. I, I think Kirk is a very underrated player in dynasty and football in general. And I, I think there's a, lot to look forward to with this team.
1: I agree. And I, I will say that I, I'm not necessarily buying him at his QB three price, but I, I do think that he could very easily live up to it with the, you know, risks of, you know, we, we saw this last year with the Browns. You had Oda Beckham being traded to a new team and them, them not meshing immediately. And I think that that's within the range of outcomes for the Cardinals. But I think in general, I am a Kyler Murray fan for this year. Let's wrap up today's show with uh, the Los Angeles Rams. I got that one right. I couldn't figure out Raiders or Chargers, but I got the Los Angeles Rams correct.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Los
1: Angeles Rams uh, have one of the most interesting backfields in the NFL. They have Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown. Uh, There's one other I'm forgetting at the moment, but – There's lots of discussion on fantasy Twitter, dynasty Twitter, like is Cam Akers the RB1? Is he going to split the time with Daryl Henderson? Uh, Obviously, uh, Sean McVay has been giving us the all-valuable info that it's a four-man backfield. Okay, shut up, Sean McVay. Um, And if it is a four-man backfield, you're an idiot for for giving carries to Malcolm Brown when you have guys as talented as Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers. So what are your thoughts on on this backfield? Do you think that one has a, a distinct advantage over the other? Do you think that or do you think this is a, a timeshare between uh, uh, two or more backs?
2: I think Sean McVay is just being very tight with those words here. He's not going to come out and say whether he thinks one player is better than the other, or think one one of these running backs sucks even, or if one of these running backs super good. He he wants to see what he has first. And also noticed last year, Daryl Henderson he had a. He had a key fumble against the 49ers, and then he was kind of in the dust for a good portion. And um, Malcolm Brown was siphoning touches away from him as the secondary option in the backfield behind Gurley. That that could play as a, a deciding factor, too. If Henderson, Akers, Brown, if they're doing key mistakes, that, that can influence his decision-making, even though the other player's better, but they just have one or two. Bad plays. I think Cam Akers is eventually going to rise to the top here, but Daryl Henderson's a guy that you shouldn't forget about either. He had 8.9 yards per carry during his final year in college and a 33.9% dominating. But I like Akers a lot. He's very explosive and catch the ball in the backfield. That Florida State offensive line last year was one of the worst in college football. It didn't help him out much, but he still managed to get 3.91 yards after contact. And, and 29.4% of his touches went for either a first, first down or a touchdown last year with that putrid offense. So he's got juice. He can do some things. I think in the right right situation, if he gets the opportunity to play, he can make things happen. This This Rams offense, too, has to be able to keep the chains moving. That's going to be a, a big question going into this year as well. Last year they proved they can run plays at a phenomenal pace as well, too.
1: Yeah, I think there's a disconnect of where Cam Akers' value is. And I'm more so talking redraft here, but I think it correlates to the as well. That Cam Akers' in redraft is probably being drafted in the fifth, sixth round of drafts, which is where guys that are like the leader of a timeshare are being drafted. But Daryl Henderson isn't being drafted where a timeshare back should be drafted. He's being drafted where handcuff backs are being drafted. He's being drafted 12th, 13th round. This is like okay, I'm drafting this guy and hoping the guy in front of him gets hurt. Whereas we've talked about it, there doesn't need to be an injury for Daryl Henderson to be, be productive.
2: Mm-hmm. Does
1: there need to be an injury for Daryl Henderson to be like a weekly starter? Probably, but Daryl Henderson is going to contribute on a week-to-week basis, especially from a best ball perspective. He's going to have some big weeks with with big runs. That's what that was his game in college, as you said, with the high yards per carry, and the one negative for both these guys and the whole backfield is that the Rams offense is so offensive line is so bad. Cam Mm -hmm. Akers just escaped the worst. Uh, He basically escaped a high school offensive line in Florida state and graduated to uh, the NFL where he now has a college offensive line. Um, So uh, Cam Akers has played with a poor backfield before Daryl Henderson has the skills uh, to evade tacklers and play with a poor offensive line. So, I, I I like both these guys. I, I but I think that Daryl is a better buy right now, thanks to him being a much cheaper price.
2: Yeah, the cheaper price tag's the kicker here because a lot of people are on the acres train, especially just we're just getting out of draft time where he his skill set's been illuminated. And last year, this time, a lot of people like Daryl Henderson. He was a high second round pick in rookie drafts, and he's got a lot of pop, a lot of wiggle, and these two could be just splitting the backfield, 60, 40, 70, 30, 50, 50, whatever, whatever McVay wants to do. And they both can be productive. And with Henderson being a lot, he's worth at least a swing at the fence with.
1: For sure. All right. That should wrap us up for today. Bruce, why don't you let us know where we can find your work uh, before we head out?
2: So you can find my work over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. I'm a senior staff writer there. Also contribute at Rotoballer.com as well. And then I have a podcast called Bruce Matson's Perfect Cast. I do about an episode or two a week, cover Dynasty, Redraft, Devi, whatever's on my mind, I kind of spew it there. And you can also find me on Twitter at Metric Scout.
1: All righty, that'll wrap us up for today's podcast. Uh, make sure to subscribe to Rotoviz com and promo code 2020RVRadio gets you a 10% discount off of an NFL pass and gets you rockin' and rollin' and supports the podcast. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you guys next week. Kadoosh! No, stop that. Don't don't look at that, Justin. Here we
2: go. No. No.
1: Bruce, you back? Yep.
2: (laughs) (laughs) At least you got me back here. (laughs) Okay.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
3: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance.